excitement that we may be feeling, not just about the Astros, though I'm excited too, uh, but the excitement that we might be feeling uh, about our church, about the gathered body of belief and trust and vision, that we might be guided today, not just in what I say, but in what we do, so that God may be glorified and that we might be a living witness to all that God is doing, not just here, but throughout Houston, throughout the United States, and throughout the world. But a 
some of you might know, nouns always come from verbs. The history of all languages begins with a verb. It is action. The very word God that we utter constantly, we mistake if we do not see the verbal quality of that word. Similarly, with dwelling, the way we use it now, right, a place where we reside, comes from a different kind of verb. In fact, the Old English and the Norse of the verb dwell or dwelleth actually means to hinder or to delay, to mislead. It was a transitive verb. Yes, I was an English teacher at one time, which means that uh, it is a verb that takes an object, right? It is an action. It exerts itself. And so to dwell would be to hinder or to delay. Now, it doesn't take too much time to think, oh, okay, I can see where they get delay, hinder, stay, reside, right? I can see where that noun comes from. But I want to suggest today that dwelling be for us as the church both transitive and intransitive, right? It is a force, it is an active force, but as an intransitive verb, it is something that we live and act internally as well. That's what intransitive verbs are. It's the difference between lay and lie. I used to tell my students, you lay something down, you lie down at night when you go to bed. Okay, transitive, intransitive. So think of dwelling in this way. As the church, we are called to dwell differently. We are called, at times maybe, to be delayed or to delay others when it is necessary to not rush in haste. It's called Sabbath. We are also called to experience a kind of rest that is not simply taking leave of things, but is rather doing things a bit differently. In the East, they often have this concept of the Tao, the way. And it is written in the Tao Te Ching that when you find the way, it is as if you haven't had to exert any effort at all. In fact, effortless mastery, nishtasha karma, selfless action, is the goal of many spiritual practices in that region of the world. It is to not feel as though you are even moving and working because you are moving and working in a different kind of way. Somebody told me recently they found out what they loved and they pursued it and they hadn't had to work a day in their life. So I want to suggest that dwelling, moving, being, working can occur very differently than the world suggests to us that they occur. Now let's revisit some of the context from Ephesians. It is written to a group of Christians, several groups of Christians as a matter of fact, living in Asia Minor. Now there are a number of countries that would have made up Asia Minor, right? We have Azerbaijan, Georgia, Turkey. Uh, it was known as Anatolia, right? We say Asia Minor, but Anatolia. And many of Paul's travels, many of his correspondences occurred with communities, regions of that area, the Cappadocians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, okay? So Paul is conversant with many of the cultural norms and is writing this for those who are living in different parts of that empire of Anatolia. And the Christians are a minority. They are a minority within this large, vast empire and they do have emerging networks, but they are still a minority. And so to be Christian, to be bold enough to do something a bit different than the majority of one's environment requires some degree of familiarity, all right? 
right? So there has to be some language that might strike a chord with these communities. Paul has to demonstrate that I understand the world in which you live. So when you talk about armor, because you see it daily, right? I'm going to give you a different kind of armor. You may not feel protected. You may feel exposed. You may feel exposed when you say I'm a Christian. You may feel vulnerable when you live out the way of Christ. You may feel that you are left open to all kinds of attacks. But Paul is here to say, wait, there's a different kind of armor. It may not be armor that is visible, just like those principalities and powers that we struggle against. Those aren't visible either, but they are operative. We know all too well, amen, that they are operative. Just because you can't see them. In fact, because you can't see them, it means they're more powerful. They work insidiously, don't they? Yeah. Right? If I could demonstrate to you all the evils of the world and it was clear to everybody, I believe, maybe with a bit of charity in my heart, that most people wouldn't support them. If I could demonstrate to you examples of racism and sexism and xenophobia and homophobia, if I could point out to people, look what, and it would be just, you know, something that you could see visibly, materially, tangibly. I believe you might be able to uh, amass a certain amount of people that would fight against that, but because these forces, these powers operate insidiously, it's a bit more difficult. And it is hard to resist these powers when they bear down on you every day, and people don't believe you when you say, that's happening to me. It is hard to take those next steps. It is hard to keep going. It is hard to keep getting up. It is hard to come together on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday. It is hard to move around feeling supported, feeling clothed, feeling cared for when no one out there seems to believe that you are under attack. You know, there's a philosophical term. Of course, I don't, you know, I'm going to have to throw that out there a little bit. It's called epistemic oppression. It is when... I, as a person of power and privilege, deny your experience. And instead of acknowledging what you are going through, I try to come up with a hundred other reasons why that might be happening. No, that's not racism. Right? No, that's not sexism. You make a little too much out of it, right? Boys will be boys, right? Come on. So, there are forces at work. There are things happening right now that we can't see. And for that, we are called to trust in the power of the powerless, as James Cone says. We are called to trust those who have been downtrodden, marginalized, and pushed to the side because they know, they feel those powers at work in a way that many of us do not. If you have been a victim of persecution because of how you identify or express yourself, Sexually, if you have been a victim of persecution because of the color of your skin, because of your class, because of who and what you are at your core, you know we are being called by Paul to both acknowledge and to trust that we, even when we have been targeted and even when we have been attacked, that we will not be overcome. We are called to remember that God has clothed us and that we are called 
but we can't control the movement of the Spirit. We want to put our hands on it. We want to come up with a new structure for it, but we can't control it, right? That's the beauty of the Pentecostal movement, is that you can't control Spirit. You can't control these practices. Very often we in the church are operating like bureaucrats who want to instead wall off the movement of the Spirit. We want to control what's happening in the church, but we can't, right? That's God. And just as those forces that are operative in the world that we can't see are acting on us every day, so too is the Spirit at work every single day. It says in Ephesians that there's a cosmic conflict, right? There is something happening that we either are attuned to or we're not. Pastor Leslie spoke about getting in alignment, did he not, last week? And I want to suggest that we're also called to get in attunement, right? Because our God is a God who calls, right? Our God is a God who says, I am that I am. You need to hear that. You need to feel that. You need to experience that because you're called to say the same thing. You are called to become part of that beautiful creation that we read about in Genesis, right? Genesis, right? Being born, being birthed, being begotten. We are called to enter into that space. And we are called to trust that there is an advocate working for us at all times. And there is a comforter and there is a sustainer. We've been given an example of what it means to live out that truth. In Jesus Christ. We read about Jesus in the Gospels. We see about the way in which he went resisting, not fighting with the, the shield and the sword the way that Romans do, but resisting. Living out a truth that Rome could not understand. You know, in the first century, when the Christians would go into communities that had been struck with leprosy and other things, Romans looked at them like crazy folk, right? The earliest letters we have from non Christian sources about Christians were that. We don't understand, and they're a little bizarre, right? This loving people you don't even know going in and exposing yourself to all kinds of harm. It doesn't make sense to them, and it never will. It still doesn't make sense. What we do here doesn't make sense. No political party, no group can fully get what we are called to do and be as church. Back to dwelling. Dwelling is a verb. We are called to dwell differently. We are called to be in alignment. We are called to be reattuned. Now that doesn't always mean sitting down, but sometimes it might. It also means moving in a different way, right? Perhaps moving to a different beat, right? It might look off beat to some people. I know I look off beat a lot to some people, right? But I'm just called to move a little differently, amen? Right? Some of us are. And so I think the church we're called to move a little differently. We're called to listen to God, and God may have us listening to a different song, and some people's going to look at us and say, you're crazy, what song are you listening to? Oh, that's the song God gave me to hear, the song God gave me to dance to, and as a result of your obedience and the way that Paul is talking here, God is going to bless you, there is fruit that's going to be born from you listening and dancing to that song. You know what else? Nobody can take that song from you. Nobody can take that spirit from you. That is one of the only things in the world they can't. Now, they can physically hurt you, and that's what they try to do. They will try to go in and interrupt your community. They'll try to create dissension. They'll try to pit you against one another, divide and conquer the strategy for thousands of years. We know that. Right? But as long as we can come together and remind ourselves, remind ourselves, remind ourselves that God, God is calling us. There is a voice that will break through all the static and all to us in a way that only we can understand. Because it is the voice of our Creator. 
of one who molds us, makes us, shapes us, and calls us to dance, who calls us to move, who calls us to dwell. Now, sometimes we get a little too caught up in dwellings, like beings, right? We get a little too caught up in proper ways of being. We get too caught up in the, the places that we dwell, right? We start calling them dwellings, and we think that's all the dwelling is. We forget we're supposed to move. We forget that these walls, these beautiful walls, these ribs, you know, this inverted arc that we, that we come and gather in, right? But that's not the church. The United Church of Christ says it's a meeting house. A meeting house can be anywhere, right? The church is you. When you go out into this city, into this country, into this world, and you do the things that God is calling you to do, that's what church is. Church is not a place you go, it's something you become. Church is not something that you look at, that you observe, that I can somehow like write down and conduct an experiment and provide all sorts of criteria. Oh, that's the church. Nope. Can't do that. You can't see it. The church, like God, is operating. Is operating in ways that you can't see, but you know what? You're called to trust. Right? Like Leslie said last week, I don't know where we're going precisely. I'm excited about it. I know that God is doing something amazing right here. I know that God is bringing us together. God is encouraging us to bring others <laughs> along. Right? I know that is happening. I trust it. I can't prove all that to you, right? If I, you know, I, I'm working on a dissertation right now, and I have to cite everything, and I have to create these soundproof arguments. I can't do that. But God calls us to trust. God calls us to what? To dwell in God. To taste that abundant life, and to know there is more to come, that what we are experiencing now is but a foretaste. We are preparing to receive communion. If that's not a different way of dwelling, I don't know what is. What is community if it's not a meal that everybody gets to have a part of? You know how radical that is? You know, Paul has to write about the problem with the worldly way of going about a meal right off the bat. Why? Because some people don't have to work come and they eat up all the food so the people that have to work and they come there, there's no bread and wine left. So the communion, the Lord's Supper, is about making sure that everybody gets something to eat and something to drink, right? There is something radical in the body of Christ. There is something amazing. And when we come up here and everybody gets their peace, and I mean everybody gets their peace, because this isn't our table, it's the table of Jesus Christ. And at the table of Jesus Christ, all are welcome. All are welcome. And when we come and we partake of that bread and we take of that wine, God is blessing us, and we are indeed becoming the church, becoming the body. I don't want to say it's finished because it won't ever be, right, until it is. <laughs> but that's not for us. We are called to trust this vision that we have been given. We are called to help each other understand it differently. We are called to offer our different perspectives. We're called to come together as a body. We are called to trust that there is something greater than us, thanks be to God, at work so that we can withstand all the pressures that come with growth, that we, can, that we can move forward, even though there's going to be some setbacks, even though it's going to hurt, right? Have you ever experienced growth without pain? <laughs> I don't think it exists. I saw Anne experience great pain, still living through pain, giving birth to this beautiful little child. Um, and he, he is beautiful. I'm biased, I know, but I think he is so beautiful. 
And yet, and yet it's painful. It's still painful when you get three hours of sleep. That <laughs> doesn't feel good. But there's something happening. There is something at work far greater than us. Right? If, if you had to work on something that you could see, manage, control, and totally uh, have an image of what it was going to be, what would that be? Right? Ronald Lieber, one of the ECC pastors that sometimes gets referenced, said, nothing worth doing will ever be accomplished in your lifetime. You hear that? Nothing worth doing is never going to be accomplished in your life. That's the bigness of what I'm talking about here. We are called to participate in a time and a place that we may not be a part of. How beautiful is that? That's how big God's desire, and that's how much God needs us, right? Because we're called to do something that's bigger than even one lifetime, maybe two lifetimes. How many generations? Seven generations happening right here? We're already a part of something that was bigger than lifetimes. How wonderful is that? How great is that? So I invite you this morning, I invite you to look at Ephesians and to think about the way in which you have been clothed. Armor, right? The way in which you have been covered this day and every day, not just so you can be clothed, so that you can be witnesses to what God is doing. And I also invite you, as the psalmist tells us, to draw near to God, to dwell differently, to dwell in God and trust that no matter what you do, it is in God. It's all is in God. There is nothing that you can do, will do, think to do, that is not going to be happening in God. And the quicker you get that right, the quicker you understand that, the more empowered you will become to be and do all that God has 